It's a rite of passage. We had to do it in our day. It'll all be over soon. It'll just flow when you're in there. FM 104's Leaving Cert Survival Guide with the Institute of Education. With only the info that you want to hear to help you ace your Leaving Cert. Welcome to episode 8 of the Leaving Cert Survival Guide, our second last episode of the series. I am Tara Marie from FM 104's Total Access. And I'm Crossy from the Strawberry Alarm Clock. We have teamed up with the Institute of Education in Dublin and some of Ireland's best health and wellness professionals to give you a crash course in all the useful information you will need to make the Leaving Cert exams that bit easier. Each Monday and Wednesday we have been speaking to some of Ireland's best teachers who have been giving us some of their vital tips and tricks that will help you with your exams this June. If this is your first time listening in, by the way, Make sure to check out all our previous episodes, which we have covered English, maths, history, Irish, geography, and much more. On today's podcast, we're dedicating a whole show to maths paper to both higher and ordinary level. First off, we'll be speaking to Aidan Rowantree about the honours exam. Aidan is a senior maths teacher at the Institute, where he's been teaching maths and applied maths for over 30 years, so he knows his stuff. He's also the author of 14 books, including the most recent Effective Maths Books 1 and 2, and knows the honours maths syllabus as well as anyone else in the country. Jean Kelly is also back covering Ordinary Level Paper 2. Jean has been teaching Leaving Cert Ordinary Level Maths to students of all abilities in the Institute for over 10 years and she is incredibly effective at getting the most out of students when it comes to results. Now if there was one thing we learned on today's episode it is all about the attempt marks. Both Jean and Aidan will get into it in a lot of detail but make sure you give each answer a go because you'll be surprised with how many extra marks you'll tot up. Dublin's hit music station FM 104 So what topics can students expect to come up on the Ordinary Level Maths Leaving certain syllabus uh, in paper two. Uh, on paper two, you have coordinate geometry, which is made up of the line and the circle. And then you have trigonometry and geometry, and they generally kind of lump them together. Geometry is made up of theorems, constructions, and uh, transformations. They have area, lengths, and volumes, including nets, which is new to the Project Maths course. And then you have probability and statistics. And in terms of marks per question, what can students expect to see there? It's the same as paper one. They have usually uh, six short questions, which are kind of, you know, learning off questions like state this, list this, find this, investigate if uh, style questions and um, short questions. They're 25 marks each. And then you have anywhere from two to four long questions. And same as paper one, they've they've got 150 marks going for the short section and then 150 mark going for the long questions. The long questions are generally kind of more or less unpredictable. Looking at the ones that have come up in the past, you can kind of more or less gauge that maybe you'll definitely get like an area and volume question. You'll definitely get a trigonometry and geometry question and then probably a statistics and probability question. As I said, you can't predict the longer questions. They're more kind of putting maths into everyday life context. So it's problem solving a lot of the time. Whereas the shorter questions are just more or less like what they did at Junior Cert. And do you recommend sticking to the same timing format that you mentioned in when we're talking about paper one? Absolutely, yeah. Every short question is 25 marks. So every 25 marks is 12 and a half minutes. Try and get it done in 10 minutes so you have the extra two and a half minutes to look over it. If it's a longer question and if it's worth double the marks, then it's double the time. So again, if it's 50 marks, spend 25 minutes. If it's 75 marks, spend 37 and a half minutes. Exactly the same structure. 
Perfect. And being a few weeks out from the exams now, how do you recommend students start to prepare for paper two and study for it? Well, they do, in fairness, they have the weekend over from paper one to paper two. So paper one is on the Friday, paper two is on the Monday. So they have that extra few days. The one thing I would be worried about is like a lot of the topics on paper two can overlap with paper one and vice versa. So you could get financial maths coming up on paper two. You could get area and volume coming up on paper one. Like I've seen the trapezoidal rule from area and volume coming up on paper one mixed in with functions and graphs. Whereas it's really an area and volume question, so it should be on paper two. And they kind of get caught out that way. But again, I would do, I would definitely try over the next five weeks to do nothing but exam papers. Um, drop the books at this stage. It's not going to help you. Familiarise yourself with the way the questions are going to be phrased in the exam and just do exam questions and try and get, try and get at least two long questions done every day. If not, four short questions would do you. And if you could get up to about maybe half an hour, 50 minutes every day, if you can fit that into your timetable, then that's what I'd do. And on the day itself, how do you recommend students prepare for the exam? On the day, I would probably go over my theorems. There, there's only about 20, 21 like, short sentences that they need to learn off, kind of like learning off a quote in English. Um, not to worry about the questions that are going to be asked because they will be nice and easy. Like They're not out to trick them. And practice the constructions because they usually give one or two constructions every year. And they're literally just drawing. So if they practice them now, they could even look online, go onto YouTube, look up constructions, leave insert and just get, get the computer to do it for them and keep practicing and practicing and practicing the same thing over. If it was me and I was going for like any kind of prediction, I would stick to the leave insert. Not that I'd stick to it, but in the last maybe five years, all that's been asked is junior cert constructions, which is weird on the leave insert. So I would definitely expect to see a leave insert construction this year. Okay. So on the morning, I'd go over my theorems. I would go over my constructions. Um, maybe do one or two questions out of the papers again just to kind of familiarise myself. I generally, over the next f- five weeks, if you are practising, try and summarise your notes to like bullet points. Okay. So you'd have maybe a page per uh, topic. Um, maybe get it down to like five, ten bullet points. And uh, any formulae that are not in the log tables, maybe learn them off by heart. Um, other than that, the majority of formula in the log tables anyway, just know the pages to go to so you're not panicking on the day. Okay, so in terms of in, uh, attempting to, d- to do a question, maybe if you if you feel like you can't finish it, you've run out of time for whatever reason it may be, is it worth your while for the student to actually put something down on the page? Absolutely. Don't leave anything blank. Like the worst thing you can do is leave something blank because you're never going to get in any marks if it's completely blank. Attempt everything, even if it's just a matter of going into the log tables and grabbing a formula and putting it down. It might not even be the formula that you're going to use, but at least you've got something there. Um, and also you get attempt marks, you get method marks. The marking is split up in such a way now that like if if you get some a mark that's or a question that's worth maybe 10 marks, you get the lowest partial credit could be four. So at least you're still passing it. You're getting 40 percent. But if you leave it blank, you're getting absolutely nothing. So the best thing to do is just keep writing, keep writing, keep writing and don't leave anything uh, blank. So you mentioned this a little bit in paper one, but what would you recommend um, to do in terms of a situation where maybe you feel like you can't answer the question, you're not fully sure what the answer is? Um, what do you recommend that the students do in th- those instances? Um, with paper two, it's full of formulae. So I definitely go straight to the log tables and, t- and grab a formula and put it down. Even if you don't know how to sub into it, at least you have the formula there and you'll get marks for that. Um, there's a lot of labelling on paper two as well. Like if you're labelling triangles, you have to label the sides, label the angles, you get marks for that. 
um, and you're labeling points as well in coordinate geometry like you'd call one point x one y one the other one x two y two even if you just write that down at least you'll get an attempt mark so uh, the the worst thing you can do worst case scenario leave something blank because you don't get any marks whatsoever but just attempt everything and even if it's something that you think you're not even going to get any marks for just keep writing FM 104's Leaving Cert Survival Guide with the Institute of Education with only the info that you want to hear to help you ace your Leaving Cert so Aidan, over the weekend, what should people do uh, to revise? Yeah, over the weekend, you should quickly revise all the topics on paper too. And it is really, really important not to become bogged down in a small number of areas and get hung up with these. It's far more important to quickly, briefly go through all the major topics on paper too. It's important to remember as well that you may not have that much time for maths over the weekend because don't forget you'll have to prepare for all your other exams. So it is important to use the time that you have for maths wisely. Um, the thing about the past uh, couple of higher level uh, maths papers is that paper one and paper two kind of had a crossover. Absolutely, absolutely. And this has been on the, on the cards now for the last couple of years. In the last few years, for example, there have been some classic crossovers. For example, in 2017, trig graphs appeared on paper one. Now, people would really have thought of trig graphs as being exclusively a paper two topic. And that's where they would have expected it. So very few students would actually have prepared for that for the Friday afternoon, paper one. And last year was the exact opposite. Last year, in 2018, um, Students on the Friday afternoon were delighted that financial maths, which is a bugbear for many students, did not appear. And they were then horrified on the Monday morning when they went into the exam to see financial maths appearing on paper too. They would not have thought of that as a possibility at all. So the thing is, basically, you need to kind of know the whole two papers for each exam. Exactly. And in other words, don't put your paper one notes away over the weekend. Just quickly run through them again if you've got time. Okay, you may need them. By the way, um, Christ, don't forget that the students need to make sure that on the Sunday night they have everything ready to go. And that is all the pencils, pens, um, anything they're going to bring with them, uh, sweets, you name it. Then have it ready the night before. And of course, on the Sunday night, please go to bed early for your own sake. Okay. <laughs> so, Aidan, we're now on to uh, exam advice. Uh, what structure will the higher paper two have in maths? Yeah, actually, both papers have the same structure, really. Having done your mocks, you should now be familiar enough with the structure, but we just need to nail this down a little bit. Section A will always have six questions worth 25 marks each, and these will tend to be of a more mathematical nature. Section B is more interesting. We don't know the exact structure of Section B. All we have been promised about Section B is that there will be between two and four questions and that the total number of marks will be 150. Now, that could break down a number of different ways. It could be 350s, it could be a 60, a 40, a 50, whatever. You are not going to know till you walk into the exam. But from past experience, there has rarely been 350 mark questions. Also, when it comes to the exam, one of the most important things is timing. Now, you have 300 marks for an exam that takes 150 minutes. Now, if you just divide in there, you can see that that really means two marks per minute. So if you want to see, for example, quickly how much time you can afford to spend on, say, a question worth 60 marks, just divide the number of marks by two. So 60 marks divided by two, you've got 30 minutes. That's a maximum. You cannot afford to spend any more than that. Now, you can generalise Section A questions because they're all 25 marks. So you have an upper max of 12 and a half minutes for each one. But you will have to look carefully at the number of marks for each Section B question to see how long you can afford to spend on that. Paper two, uh, higher level. Uh, It's a bit daunting. How should people approach the paper on the day? Yeah, Okay. you'll be presented with the paper and you'll be told you can start at whatever half nine in the morning. And it's perfectly natural that you will want to read it from beginning to end, if for curiosity reasons, nothing else. 
maybe as you do so, as you go through the paper, as you read it in the very beginning there, you might quickly indicate the parts you think you're going to be okay to tackle. And don't panic at this stage about the other parts. Then you should go through and answer all of the parts that you've taken, you know, uh, and you think you can handle easily. Okay, what some people call the low-hanging fruit. Okay, these are these are going to pile you up marks, and you know, by by the time you've gone through that, you may not realise it, but you'll have you'll have accumulated quite a number of marks. Okay, and also, if it's stuff that you think you can do, it probably won't have taken you too much time either. Now, once you've done that, all the low-hanging fruit is gone. Now it's time to start going back through the the other parts, and. It is important to make an attempt at any part you can. However, it is important also to realise that many questions have sequential parts, which means that the answer that you get for one part is then going to be required in the next or subsequent parts after that. And this can be a little bit off-putting. If you cannot answer one part, there is a tendency among students to basically give up on the remaining parts that rely on the answer to that part. You shouldn't do this. You should kind of just say that you can't finish that part but you're estimating the answer and then take your estimate forward and work with that and if you use your estimate in the correct way with the subsequent parts you won't get full marks for the subsequent parts but you'll get very near it and you can pile up a whole load of extra marks by doing that so Ian, there's going to be some people listening to us today and um, they're probably afraid of some shocks to be in the maths paper to higher level paper and I'd say maybe their mocks there was uh, some shocks there as well have you any advice for them? Yeah, first of all, for the last good few years now, the mock papers have been extremely difficult and the actual Leaving Cert questions have not been as bad as many of the mock questions. But that is not to say that when you walk into paper two on the Monday morning that there won't be shocks. There will be shocks, OK? But the only thing to say is it's the same for everybody. Every It'll be brand new. The SEC, the State Examinations Commission, have guaranteed us that there will be new questions every year. So it'll be the same for everybody. What is very, very important is that if you see a part that you haven't seen anything like it before, everybody's in the same boat, but please, for your own sake, write something down. If you write something down, what's the worst that can happen? The examiner can look at it and say there's no merit in that and you get naught. That's the very worst. But if there's any correct element to it whatsoever, you will get some credit. And these partial credit marks will pile up and they could have the effect of, you know, moving you up a grade or two. So it is really, really important that you don't leave any part unanswered. So, Aidan, now it's time to talk about the topics uh, that will be coming up for the maths paper two higher level. And the first one is geometry. Uh, yes, Crossy, from past experience, it, it seems that geometry will continue to always be one short question in section A on, on paper two. Um, usually it's question six, but it doesn't have to be. There's no guarantee about that. Now, for the geometry section of the course, there are three formal pr- proofs that have to be learned. Even though one of these, the middle one, came up last year, you really shouldn't neglect these proofs. Another one could come up this year. After the, the formal proofs that you have to learn, there are the constructions that are on our course now. I'd ask you to be a little bit wary about this because... Um, they do not have to ask exactly one of the constructions as you have learnt them. They could mix elements from a few of them together. So it is important that you understand the steps involved in each construction and not just learn it all from beginning to end. It's also likely that a part of the geometry question, this has been the feature for most years, will involve what's called a cut. Now a cut is what's known as an unseen geometry proof or calculation. And it's really, really hard to prepare for these. You can do them for years and years on end and still not be ready for whatever one comes up. And all I will say is everybody's in the same boat. Just make as many 
progress steps as you can. But in particular, if you were to pick anything out, I would say to try and understand congruent triangles and similar triangles. But one last thing on geometry, and that is that it's geometry that makes some of the questions in the other areas difficult. For example, in trigonometry and coordinate geometry, some of the most difficult questions have been difficult because they called on elements of geometry. So it's not as if geometry is going to be completely localized in one question. So would you say that if you knew your stuff on geometry, it will spill into the other ones yeah, as well and help you out? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. That's, that's, that's what that is. And you just mentioned it there uh, a couple of seconds ago, trigonometry. Yeah, trigonometry. If somebody was to pick out what is the biggest topic on paper two, you really have to say, in terms of exam questions over the years, trigonometry has to grab the number one spot. Now, it can be examined in its own right in a number of different ways, or it can be examined trigonometry in conjunction with coordinate geometry or areas and volumes, which has become another popular link up on paper two. Uh, trigonometry will definitely account for at least one of the major questions in section B. And quite often, it's more than one of the, the major questions in section B, as well of at least as, as as well as at least one of the short questions in section A. Now, the major topics to go through for trigonometry are what we call practical trig, which means being able to deal with triangles and shapes connected with circles. That's number one. Number two, being able to construct and also, don't forget this, interpret trig graphs. That's been a relatively big feature in recent years. And then on the more abstract side, proving trig identities and solving trig equations. I will say that there have been quite a number of, of good questions on these topics on recent Leaving Cert papers. So it might be well worth your while going through these questions really, really carefully. And again, the emphasis should be on understanding the different approaches, the different steps that are involved, because you're not going to get exactly the same question this year. It really isn't going to happen. So there's no point in learning it off. It's a case of doing your utmost to understand the steps that are involved. The next one up, Aidan, is areas and volumes. Uh, they've been more prominent in the, the Leaving Cert questions in recent years, and especially in Section B. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, this has been a bit of a surprise. I mean, areas and volumes would be seen mostly as being a junior cert topic because there's really nothing new in this section of the course for Leaving Cert. The fact is, though, that they have been quite prominent in the last two to three years in, in Leaving Cert papers. The difficulty with these areas and volumes questions lies not in the actual formulae that are needed to be used, but actually in the complexity of the question, in that the student has to break down the situation that they're presented with into so many different steps and plan their way through the question. So even though the individual formulae are not difficult, okay, it's the, it's the difficulty in coming up with the strategy to tackle the, 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 the question. On areas and volumes, I think one of the best things a student can do is that there were two really, really good questions uh, for the last couple of years. There were question seven, the first question in section B and paper two in both the 19, 2017 and 2018. These are really worthwhile going through because there's some very, very interesting elements in them. The next topic we have is coordinate geometry. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, um, coordinate geometry means coordinate geometry of the line and circle and it really does rarely occur in section B questions. There was one year when there was a section B question on a clock which made use of coordinate geometry of the circle. But other than that, it's been conspicuous by its absence from section B. I guess this is probably because other topics more easily lend themselves to real world questions. So coordinate geometry is likely to appear as one or maybe two um, of the short questions in section A. If it's two, it'll probably be one on the line, one on the circle, but you're not going to know till you walk in. Now, while all the key formulae for both line and circle are in the maths tables on pages 18 and 19, 
you really need to make sure you know how to use each formula correctly. It's not just a case of saying, oh, there it is. You must be able to use it correctly and equally importantly, know the situations to which each uh, formula applies. There are also methods. It's not just about formulae. There are also methods that you need to go through for coordinate geometry. For example, you have to be able to find the equations of the tangents to a circle from a point outside the circle. And there's no formula for that. You just have to kind of remember how the, the method works. Um, an interesting thing is that in, in a number of the questions in recent years, coordinate geometry question has not been difficult because of the coordinate geometry element. It's been because it's been fused with ideas from geometry. Once again, as I said earlier, don't be surprised if that happens again. Next up, we're talking probability. Yeah, the first thing I'd like to do here on this one is kind of to distinguish between what is termed pure probability and what we'll see later on is probability mixed with statistics. Now, pure probability consists of what are known as counting techniques. That means arrangements and combinations. Also, the, the basic concepts of probability, which includes things like um, mutually exclusive events, conditional probability, and independent events. These are all things you should know about. But the most important topics over the years have undoubtedly been Bernoulli trials and the idea of the expected value. Um, the expected value came up last year, so, I mean, I think you're pretty sure to get Bernoulli trials this year. Okay. Probability has only once really been a complete major question in Section B, and that was in 2015 when probability was mixed with sequences and series from Paper 1. But it could happen again that probability is a major question in Section B. But I still think the odds, if you'll excuse the pun on that, would be that probability would be only uh, uh, one, maybe two short questions in Section A, and maybe perhaps a part of a question on possibly statistics in Section B. One major warning about probability is that there are a host of formulae in probability and the only formula from probability that is in the maths tables is the binomial distribution formula. Every other formula in probability needs to be learned and people tend to forget that because most of the formulae in other areas of the course are in the maths tables. Probability is a bit unique in that respect. Does that add extra pressure then if that is like yeah, that? Yeah, it, it does because um, I, I don't see them reminding students of what the actual formulae is. So if you don't remember it, you're not going to be able to look it up. Okay, and that's unlike, for example, coordinate geometry. Yeah, can I just, sorry, I just ask about that as well. You know, you're talking about geometry and uh, trigonometry and all that. When it comes to probability, is it worth students to take all the time to learn all the formulae? There's about a dozen formulae and they're not long. You know, they're kind of short, snappy little formulae. And it is because, you know, the likelihood is, for example, if you meet conditional probability, you need the conditional probability formula. There's no way around it. If you don't have it, you're not going to start the question, you know, so you need it. Um, you know, in the same way as some students decide not to learn formulae, they decide not to learn proofs. Um, it's a risk they take. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can lose. When you take a risk, you can lose. Well, I would certainly not advocate students doing that. Especially then, if, as you were saying earlier on, for prep and all that, and for that you get marks for trying. Yes. So it, if you did yeah. know some of the formulae, at least you... Well, if the formula is not on the tables and it's an appropriate formula for a part, you will get marks for that. You won't get marks for just copying a formula out of the tables. You I have get to start you. using it. Yeah, okay. perfect. Uh, next one up is statistics. Yeah, now, when I say statistics here, I really, again, mean pure statistics. And that covers a lot of the descriptive areas, such as sampling techniques and study designs. And then it moves on after that onto the idea of representing data graphically and then analysing the data by measuring its, its middle, which is its average mean, medi median, mode and all that. And then measuring its spread, which involves things like interquartile range and standard deviation. 
Now, after that, you move on to slightly more higher brow things, such as the analysis of statistical graphs and in particular correlation. Um, Pure statistics, as we now call it, that stuff there, that material I've just been referring to, um, that was very, very big until the syllabus made its final change in 2015, for examination in 2015. Prior to that, that material came up every year. But since then, because there has been an extension to the syllabus in the next section on probability and statistics, um, this stuff here, the, the pure statistics, has largely been superseded by the material that we're going to be talking about. But nevertheless, correlation in particular has made its appearance since then. And I wouldn't write off the other material. Now, compared with most of the other uh, maths on the course, it's very easy to go through that, especially people who are strong in the descriptive area. They won't find that as much a challenge as other areas. So, yeah, you should be able to go through that reasonably easily. And correlation, actually, funny enough, is linked in with, in many ways, coordinate geometry. So it's not that bad either. So, Aidan, inferential statistics, people are afraid of it. They may get a bit afraid every time they look at it. Could you just tell us a bit about that? Uh, yeah, Crossy. Um, inferential statistics. Um, this combines elements from probability and statistics. This section of the course was beefed up um, and first examined. The new course was first examined in 2015. And since then, it has been pretty much ever present. Now, it combines some of the elements of the theory of probability with some of the methods that, that we would have seen, we would have discussed there earlier from statistics. Um, what it does actually, what inferential statistics means is that you take data from a sample and you use it to analyse the population that the, the sample came from by means of confidence intervals and hypothesis tests. It is almost certain that one or other or maybe both of these topics okay, will occur somewhere on paper too. What's not really clear is where. If it's a short snappy question, it might be a section A question, but... Um, I think the pointers are in the direction of a major section B. But now that we're heading into our fifth year of exams on the new inferential statistics course, they're beginning to get a little bit experimental with their questions. So this was particularly the case in question 8B last year in 2018, where they started to do something a little bit novel. And I think that as the, 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 the track record develops, as, as we get more and more years under our belt, they are going to ask slightly new novel questions like that. So I think it is important once again, try not to learn them, you know, off the techniques just as something step by step without having an understanding. Again, I would come back and say that right across the board, as much as possible, understanding is key. Is there any other tips that you've seen throughout the years? Mistakes that people make that you're like, oh, they could understand the paper, but what is the one thing? Is it that they're not reading it correctly or they have to become overwhelmed with it to not yeah. realise, oh no, this is what we're supposed to be doing? The um, variety of mistakes is, is huge. Right, every year in any given year, the people make loads of mistakes and different mistakes. And some of it is carelessness. Some of it is, as you say, not reading the question properly. I mean, there are lots of practical advice, pieces of advice that can be given. Like, for example, you know, reading through a question, underline the verbs, that kind of stuff. Make sure you... But by and large, I have to say that the one thing I have found out with students that, you know, at the end of the day, achieve very high results, very good results, is that they pay attention to detail across the board in terms of what they're being asked to do and how they, they go about answering it. And I, I just think that in maths of all things, sloppiness and carelessness, you know, that, uh, the habit of being like that leads to lower grades. Some people who are probably capable of much better grades than they end up with underachieving because of carelessness. 
you know. So I really do think, you know, try to understand as much as you possibly can and try and pay attention to detail. Eamon Rentry, thank you very much for all that. That was the higher level maths paper two that we've been discussing. Dublin's hit music station, FM 104. And that's all we've time for on this week's podcast. Thanks a million for listening in and remember to subscribe and rate the show if you got some good info from our teachers this week. The Leaving Cert is just one week away so make sure you listen back to our other episodes on offer where we have looked at the likes of English, Maths, History, Geography and of course Irish with some of the country's most expert teachers from the Institute of Education. Tune back in for a final episode of the series this Wednesday where we'll be speaking to Dr. Coleman Nocter about how to manage your expectations in the run up to the exams. And we'll also be looking at this year's home economics exams and how you can maximise your marks for this year's papers. FM 104's Leaving Cert Survival Guide with the Institute of Education. With only the info that you want to hear to help you ace your Leaving Cert.